This episode of The Homilist is brought to you by Ozark Christian College. Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri has been focused on the same mission for over 75 years, to train men and women for Christian service. Ozark's Bible Foundation, Christian Community, Global Outreach, and Affordable Cost prepare students to serve in whatever kingdom assignment God has for them. With residential and online degrees, Ozark sends out workers into the harvest field, with 15,000 alumni serving in all 50 states and in 100 countries around the world. Ozark is also glad to offer next-level resources, free videos and webinars for you and your church, led by Ozark professors like Michael DeFazio, Shane J. Wood, and Mark Scott. Next-level resources cover topics like how to read your Bible, the parables of Jesus, and exploring the Enneagram, and much more. Find next-level resources at no cost at occ.edu forward slash next level. And find out more about Ozark Christian College at occ.edu. Welcome back to the Homilist Podcast. This is a very special episode. Uh, Today I'm talking with Steve Hinton, the author of a book called Confessions. Um, He got a hold of me, and we'll dive into a little bit more of this in the interview, Um, but he got a hold of me and said, hey, I think I have a book here that that would be of encouragement to a lot of guys. And I said, well, awesome. He said, here, take a read at it sent me a copy um, and bang up book it's a really 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 cool really cool book so uh, I hope you enjoy this interview and I hope you uh, get this book Um, this is my conversation with Steve Hinton Steve Hinton welcome to the homilist podcast Jared thanks a lot man I'm really excited to be here with you today I love what you're doing Um, so thank you very much yeah, this is a uh, this is excellent, and 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 here's the reason why. And, and I'm making some changes to my website. I met with a uh, oh, I don't know what you call it. Um, well, in fact, it's one of the one of the uh, one of the sponsors of the podcast. Okay, uh, Melissa Hobbs Virtual Solutions. She is a don't know her. Oh uh, yeah, no, she's a social media. She's a social media. Uh, website freelance writer copy okay. copyright specialist editor like one of those kind of people you want to have around anyway she's helping me get some stuff done with the website and one of the things that we're working on is putting a form together on the website that allows people uh, listeners who right. want to who want to sign up to say hey I think I would love to sit down and talk to you have a conversation maybe even be on the show. I've got a few things that I'm involved in and I would like to put them out there. And that's so cool because that's exactly how you and I connected uh, <laughs> even without that form is you dropped me a message and said, Hey, Jared, Steve Hinton here. Uh, I got a book that I think might be of, uh, of incredible encouragement to, uh, to, to, to pastors and people who listen. And so I got it. You sent me. Uh, you sent me a copy. I got it. I listened to it. Incredible. Listen. Here's the my favorite part about the book. My favorite part about the book. Okay. Is it is so so. Um, uh, what's the right word? It's so honest. It's just so. It's pretty honest. Honest, and and that's a rarity. That's a rarity sometimes. So tell us about the book. The book is called Confessions. It, Jared, it, it is, and you're right. Uh, we've got some people that that we know together, and uh, I saw what you were doing, and I thought, man, this this might be a 
uh, connection. Uh, the, the book is it's called Confessions. Uh, subtitle is Finding Hope Through One Pastor's Doubt. And it's kind of written in the genre of a blue-like jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a, a personal narrative, but it's really not about me. It, it's taking my narrative in life and setting it as the backdrop to to answer, well, to ask and to answer a lot of questions that uh, that people have had. Um, you know, is God real? Uh, is God, if He's real, is He good? Uh, does He really care about me? And then looking at looking at life and looking at all the issues of life and, and wondering where does God fit into all this? And, and Jared, part of the reason I, I wrote it, and, and let me rephrase this. I didn't write this for pastors, although a lot of pastors have gotten a lot of good out of it. I wrote it for anyone who's just really having doubts about life and, and, and God and, and, and us and where we fit in. From the standpoint of, of being able to say, uh, you know, I get it. Uh, here, here I am. I'm, I'm a religious professional guy. A lot of people would say that. You know, I've been to Bible college, been to seminary. Right. Uh, people call me Pastor Steve, but I hate being called Pastor Steve. Right. But being able to say, okay, these are real questions that people have, and they may not ask a religious person about it because they think religious people have it all together. Right. And and being able to say I get it I've been there I've got the t I've got the t shirt and 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 this is how we can go through the tunnel and, and see the light at the end and, and come out of it so uh, it's been a, a beautiful journey touches a lot of issues but it's this theme Jared that doesn't matter who you are where you've been you need to know that Jesus is real He loves you and there's a plan in in, in the midst of everything. Mm, yeah, it's good. It's such a good book. I uh, I started listening to it at the gym, and <laughs> I told you I told you this on the phone when we spoke the other day. That I mean, I'm working out, and there was a couple of lines that just got me just got me giggling. And people are looking at me like, "What is going on?" I'm like, "I now I'm that freaking guy at the gym laughing at my own stuff, whatever's going on." And I and I make fun of those guys all the time. Like, what is this idiot laughing like an idiot on the elliptical over here? You know. And so I'm walking through the gym and I'm just giggling about different. It was so. It was so funny. It was so funny. You just take an honest approach to some of this stuff. What was your approach in? What was your approach in writing it? Was there was there a level of vulnerability that you kind of had to get yourself to, or a level of transparency? Uh, is that is that a natural is that a natural thing in your life, or did you kind of have to work through that even more as the book as you were writing the book? Well, a, a little bit of both, Jared, and uh, I, I chuckle at the, the the humor you got out of that because that was my intent. Uh, even though it's a very serious book, there, there's a lot of humor in it, and uh, th- there was a sense, Jared, that I, may, I I really had to make a deliberate decision. How vulnerable do I want to be in this? Uh, because I know there are going to be some some people. And it's usually people who have everything figured out, you know, uh, people who have religious backgrounds, some pastors, they got it all figured out. And, and, I, and I felt like they would judge this uh, and judge me. But the thought was, man, I don't care. I know that there are people out there who are, who, who are going through, have gone, will go through right. some of the same issues. So, Jared, I, I, I made the decision to do it. 
to do to to be vulnerable and knowing that I get some get some flack, uh, you know, get some some, some negative uh, responses. But I wanted to take that risk because I wanted to to help people who are asking those very same questions uh, be able to find light. You know, hey, if this Steve Hinton guy got through this, maybe I can too. Right. Right. Um, one of the, one of the opening lines, and this is the one that stuck. This is the one that stuck with me, uh, from, I mean, from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, this is one of the lines. Let me, let me read you this paragraph right here. This is right out of chapter one. The major scientific bent today is that the earth is billions or trillions of years old. Some theologians believe in young earth. Some philosophers believe in theistic evolution a platform to somehow unite the theories of evolution and creationism. Honestly, I don't know exactly how old the earth is, but it sure is beautiful. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that is so funny. And here's the reason it, it, it rang true to me so much because there's so many things inside of our little, little circle and, and sometimes echo chamber that we live inside of to where we just, we just stick flags in the ground on all sorts of issues. And I'm not saying those issues are not important. What I'm saying yeah. is, is that I get bored hearing about them and talking about them. And what I appreciated was your approach to say, some people say, and some people say, but here's what I say. It sure is beautiful. And I thought, that's a man after my heart right there. <laughs> that's a man after my heart. I appreciated that. That was good. Well, I like that, Jared. It, um, and, and part of the, and that's chapter one, uh, when only God understands eight, PhD and and part of the drive in that first chapter is to just set the table that that there is purpose to our life there is meaning to our life there is uh, there's purpose to creation and by golly it's a good creation it's it's in chapter two that we we, we step into the fact that well we have issues because everything's falling apart mm. um, but yeah it uh, there's creation itself the mountains the seas. But then even you and me, uh, there are a lot of young men out there who feel like they have no value whatsoever. No, they don't have an older man who has spoken into their lives and they're thinking, man, I just suck. There's no I, there's no value. No, there is. There is. Right, there is right. value to, to all of us. Yeah, that is excellent. Um, it was a uh, what a couple weeks ago. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was preaching on Genesis 1 1. And in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so what I did is I started looking at how long would it take us to fly across our solar system? Mm. And so, and I can't remember the numbers exactly, but it was basically this. If we wanted to travel across our solar system and we were going, let's say, 38,000 miles an hour. <clears throat> we could cross our solar system in 187 billion years. Yeah. Or million years or whatever it was. 100 and I can't remember. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, however long it was, 81,000 years. That's what it was. 81,000 years. At 38,000 at 38, miles an hour, it would take us 81,000 years to cross our solar system. And then as of, as of recently, there are, we've found like 500 solar systems similar to ours. Yeah. It just, it just keeps on going. And so we've got 500 of these 
And it would take me 81,000 years to cross ours. Wow. And so when we read that statement, we don't understand how particular and exclusive this situation is from the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This the little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing hospitable out there for however many bajillion miles. But then we have this. Like this is a very exclusive, exclusive yeah. situation that we find ourselves Design. in. And so when you talk about creation, it's like, man, it anything that is that like that much of an anomaly, like that much that's that exclusive, it's gonna be beautiful and it's gonna be purposeful. You know, it's gonna be anyway, I just I just love that. And so I loved that you were talking about creation. In there, that's just, that was just so good. That was so good. Well, and see, Jared, it it it, it fits in the it fits in all these other pieces. Um, you know, who are we if, if we're merely if we're merely the byproduct of, of chance evolution? Then, then just be honest. Just be honest. It's survival right. of the fittest, and just stop being nice. Right. right. Um, but but if we're created in the image of God, and, and, and on my, my ethereal drawing board here, I've got three or four other book projects I'm kind of working on. And one of those is in the realm of in the image of God. But see, Jared, that affects everything. That affects our sexuality. That affects our relationship. That affects our politics. That affects our uh, church. That affects our purpose. It, it, it yeah. just it, it has ripple effects to everything. And and I kind of come back to that a couple times in the book, but yeah, that first chapter sets the stage. Um, just, just, just the, the beauty of who we are, and I want people to know that. Yeah, this uh, this next um, this next season that I'm going to start on on kind of unraveling and start start putting guests in and start having conversations about is part of the reason that that we connect today. Um, because what I'm doing is I want to move into talking a little bit about masculinity. And here's my reason why. Uh, do you know the, do you remember the, uh, you remember the uh, story uh, in first Samuel where the Philistines send out three detachments and they okay. begin to kidnap or abduct all the blacksmiths leaving Israel with no swords. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what you see is a very like in our current in our current climate, like fatherlessness. I mean, you even talk about this in your book, fatherlessness. Yeah, yeah. Like we like we know the statistics of fatherlessness and what it means. I mean, from depression to obesity to debt to drugs to suicide, you know, to I mean, whatever else. Like fatherlessness is the major contributor to all of this. And basically what it comes down to is there's no more blacksmiths who can forge weapons and teach kids how to use these things. And somebody who knows how to specifically design a specific tool for every single thing that they're going to go through. And that's kind of the story. And that's some of your backstory too. You kind of came through life without a blacksmith in your life. Somebody who could put some of that together. Can you talk through a little bit about that? I don't remember the chapter hunting for dad. Yeah. Find, find dad. Uh, Hunting for dad. Yeah, I forgot forgot my own chapter. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, th there was one chapter specifically for that. And it, it's not just dad, but it's masculinity. And I believe you're right, Jared. Uh, we really do live in a kind of a schizophrenic time. Uh, what does it mean to be 
male? What does it mean to be female? Um, and it, we tend to go to extremes in, in right. our culture, but, but the reality check of, I mean, again, it comes back to that creation. Uh, neither male nor female is better than the, than the other. We both are in the image of God, but it's like a quarter. It's one quarter, but you've got two different sides to it. Um, and, and I do, I'm glad you brought that up. I do talk about it, Jared, and, and part of this, part of my own story. And again, I took my narrative as a backdrop to this, um, that my mother and my biological father were divorced when I was a year old. Uh, she dated a little bit, some different guys coming in and out of my, my life. Um, she had a marriage that lasted a little while, and there's all kinds of backstory to that as to why it fell apart. And then when she remarried, uh, the guy who adopted me when I was seven, uh, you know, the guy, the guy uh, Jim Hinton, uh, he, he paid the bills. He was an Army vet, uh, but he had some serious baggage himself. And so I grew up really longing for a father figure. And so so there are things that I learned kind of by accident, you know, along the way. But yet it's interesting. God put various men in my life at, at, at the right time. And God put some other uh, men of my age that it's, it's that whole Solomon talking about iron sharpening iron. And especially in our culture, it's something, and I love that you're getting into this, Jared, not just with this book, with your other ministry, because it is just so huge that, that we, we, we have a crisis you know, maybe, maybe even an epidemic of of young boys growing up, not knowing who they are. And and it's not this idea that you got to be John Wayne to be a man. Um, But, but we, but men do need to be violent at times. There's a good violence. There's a good violence, you know, bad guys kicking in your door. You want a good violence to keep that bad guy from kicking your head in. Uh, Absolutely. So, so learning, and I was able to, to share some of the old stories, like uh, an older man in my life who who called me to come sit with a man. Little tiny thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel like, yeah, maybe I'll be a man someday. Um, and and I think you know the littlest things that you and I can do, even even finding a boy. And we don't have to do a whole lot, but just speak into to your life. I mean, there was a story of a kid down the street and uh, not, not a lot of God talk at all in his life. And uh, one day uh, I just told him the story of King David. You know, King David went down there and took out Goliath. And I said, you know what? You're going to be a great man like David someday. You know, just something little to put in his life to encourage him. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I love what you're doing here. And, so, so, so I would champion that as well. Yeah, that's cool. Um, one of the Jordan Peterson has a phrase um, that that he uses. If you if you're familiar with Jordan Peterson, know the name. Know the name. Okay. Jordan Peterson has a phrase. He's talking about raising kids, and he says, um, "Never let your children get away with anything that causes you to not like them." Huh. And his reason for saying that is because if you don't like your kids. No one else is going to like them, no and then, and then, right? And so then his next his next little move, he does those kind of those little those little steps to get to this place to where he says, um, "And if they don't like your kid, they won't tell them interesting things or teach them 
interesting things. Are you or someone you know wanting to make a difference with your life, but you're not sure where to start? At Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri, they help students discover the kingdom assignment that God has for them and then train them to carry it out. Ozark prepares students for all kinds of Christian service, biblical communication, biblical justice, youth and children's ministry, counseling, missions, organizational leadership, worship and creative arts, and much more. Ozark's close community, Bible foundation, and commitment to service prepares students to take the gospel to every corner of the globe as ambassadors for Christ. And Ozark's affordable tuition offers a quality private Christian education at a public university price. Ozark Christian College, your mission is out there. Your training starts here. And so that's a valuable, valuable lesson, you know, to know, like, as a community, like, we are in each other's lives for each other's Mm -hmm. kids. Like, that's the long game, you know. Mm -hmm. That's the long game. And I love that. I love that story when you said I was called in from outside where the, I believe, or where the women were. Yeah, I was sitting with a bunch of women. Yeah, and you were called in. Hey, Steve, why don't you come sit with the men? You know, mm-hmm. like that's a like that was a moving that was a moving picture because I, I think I think there's so many people who don't have that and the fact that God put so many great blacksmiths in your life to be able to say, hey Steve, this is how we handle this. Hey Steve, how we this is how we handle yeah. this. Like that's so valuable. That's just so yeah. valuable. I appreciated you yeah. sharing those. Those are really good. Those are really good. Um, one of the uh, one of the great uh, hunting for dad. Yeah, this chapter here, hunting for dad. I marked a few lines here. Um, that I wanted to, uh, um, I wanted to uh, kind of bring up and ask you about. First, you cite an article which I've already read at one point. Uh, Washington Post ran an article by Jennifer Fink called "Why mm-hmm. Schools Are Failing Our Boys." Can you tell us a little bit about that article? Uh, I don't remember exactly when it ran. It wasn't a long article, but it was so deep. Yeah. It was just, it was just bubbling over with with truth and it, it was it was reminiscence of my own life that that I was in elementary school right. poster child for ADHD and you know this was in the 70s and I got to sit still you know um, and then the fact that I know teachers in public education and it, it just happens over and over again that you have boys with all this energy Creative energy. Jared, there are girls who are like this as well, but particularly with boys. And one of the things that I tell tell my wife who teaches in elementary school is that you got these boys with these energy. You want them to focus. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to have me show up at school 30 minutes before school starts, and I'll take the boys out and we'll chop wood for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, just to get that energy out. But, you know, you go back 100 years ago, 200 years ago, uh, boys were taught differently. Does it doesn't mean yeah. girls don't fit as well? It's not what I'm saying. But the the design in so many so many schools, the, the vast majority, especially in elementary school, the vast majority of the faculty are females, which is fine. Not right. But but boys need to be able to look up and see a man. Yep. Um, and the, the the curriculum is designed in the sense of okay we're going to sit down for two hours and then maybe we'll have a ten minute break and it it just doesn't work so many no. times it just doesn't work that the, there needs to be a rethinking again it comes back to this design 
we need to be rethinking the boys are valuable. Mm-hmm. And when boys aren't valued, eventually girls aren't valued as well. Correct. Um, anytime you think about it, uh, anytime we, we attack this design, it's always the weak. It's always the women and the children who, who suffer. Um, so, yeah, and that's why it's important that we, we speak into men. That's why important, you know, if we have a church, we've got a solid youth minister or a solid mm-hmm. group of guys who, you know, their, their mission is we're going to speak into the lives of these, these boys. <clears throat> yeah, it's so, so valuable, so valuable. You know, I, I, I've said this before. The church that I grew up in, I don't remember having a female Sunday school teacher. Mm. I remember having men as Sunday school teachers. And what's and that might not be that might not be interesting to anyone else, but here's what's interesting about it. I for can me, see the connection. Yeah, for me it's so when I was deciding to go into ministry, like I didn't have to wrestle with is this a is this a tough guy job? Is this not a tough guy job? Is this it's like a I was raised in a very masculine church. Like there were a lot of strong men where, where we grew up. And so it, that, that was never a thought. And, you know, for, for, for young boys, that, that sometimes does become part of the conversation. You ask a, 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 a group of boys on a playground, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, they got all sorts of wild answers. You know, they're going to the moon. They're going to run into a house fire. They're going to shoot bad guys with guns. They're going to, I mean, they're going to do all kinds of stuff. You know, yeah. because why? Because like that's dangerous and we need some level of that, you know? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, there's, and I, a, there's a line in your book deep within the masculine soul is a desire to protect and make the hard self sacrifices for others. And that, that is so, so, Oh yeah. So good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, being able to present opportunities for boys to learn that it, um, uh, you know, di- different places that I've been in the world, um, it's, it's, it's handled differently. Uh, I was in Kenya uh, four years ago talking with some Maasai, and uh, they're, they're not really considered men until they go out on a lion hunt. Now, they don't have to actually be the one who actually kills the lion, but going out with other men in this process and we just don't see that. We just don't see that in, in our culture today. Very rarely, you, you have to be you have to be deliberate to find that today. Yeah, there are uh, there have been there have been a couple of those types of things done here at our church to where uh, there's been some men who've said, "Hey, I want to recognize my boy. He's mm-hmm. turning." He's turning 18 or he's turning 16 or he's turning however old he was. And you know what? Like, this is the line that we drew. Like, when you get to this age, there's going to be some responsibility thrust upon you. And my mm-hmm. expectation of you is going to be higher than it was. And we're going to, we're going to do a whole ceremony about this. And I tell you mm-hmm. what, it's pretty moving. It's pretty moving to see that. You know, when you, you look at, you look at the, the, where we're at today. Number one, fatherlessness. Number two, you know, there's not a lot of great role models out there for men. For, I mean, for young boys, there's just not, you know. And it goes back to that 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 idea that you know where the blacksmiths are gone. You know, we got nobody forging weapons for us. We got nobody telling us how to handle these these kind of deals. As a pastor, when I sit down and I visit with other 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 men, and I say, so hey, tell me this: who was in your life that yeah. began to explain to you the harder parts? of life who who is there 
And, you know, so many of them are just like, I had to figure this stuff out for myself. Yeah. You know, there, there wasn't anybody like this is a, like I am. And the problem with it, the problem with that idea is then the image becomes, I'm a self-made man, mm. you know, and it's kind of like, okay, but that's a lot of weight to put on your own shoulders. Don't you think? So when it doesn't work out, you're a self-made man, which means you're a failure, you know, or, it, or, or life does work out and your standard on everybody else. Everybody else can do this. Everybody else can be this, you know, everybody else can do it. Step up, handle your stuff, be a man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think even even redefining what success is because there's this idea, and I had to wrestle with this some, that if, if someone is not a if man, is not a success in the eyes of the world, uh, he's a failure. And we have to look at the big picture. We have to look at the eternal picture. We have to look beyond today. Um, but... And, and I think going back a little bit, I love what you said a minute ago, the, the idea of expectation. What do we expect? Um, yeah, I'm not even sure I like the word teenager. I'm not even sure I like it. Uh, we don't see that until, I don't know, the eight, 19th, 20th century. It was you're a boy or you're a man. You know, you're <laughs> yeah, a boy a or you're a man. And good there's point. this, you know. Um, so expectation, what kind of expectations do we put on people? Yeah. And, in, in redefining, and I talked a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of guys that have been in my life that the world would say, you know, they're they're not that much of a success. But in an an eternal picture, they're huge. They're huge. Yeah. Um, you talk about uh, you talk about a ministry called Marked Men for Christ. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about that? This is this was new to me. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um, Jared, I, I do not know of a better men's ministry in the world today. Uh, matter of fact, uh, let me let me refer let me let me capsulize it this way. Uh, about seven years ago, I, I had heard about this ministry and heard about this ministry, and and during that time, I was doing a lot of research on men's ministry in general. You know, I, I read Wild at Heart and a lot of books and things of that nature. So I went to a Markman for Christ uh, weekend event in Philadelphia and I went into it Jared from an academic standpoint you know what can I what can I learn to give to someone else mm-hmm. uh, and I came out of it with some things that God had taught me and the following uh, when I got back to, to Houston the following Monday I called the um, the old academic dean at my, my Bible college and I said if I were in your position I would require uh, this I would require every senior to go through a weekend before they graduate. I believe mm. it that much. And uh, Jared, part of the deal is you think about men's ministry and men's events, and they usually focus on a, a big keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we've got this Navy SEAL and he's going to come in and, and speak. Well, you know, that, that's kind of cool. Um, but Dude, I'm not going to be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> you know that that's a, right. that, that can actually be more discouraging. Um, but but the genius of Markman for Christ and, and, and the weekends and then the follow up discipleship, it's not based around any celebrity person. It, it's a reality check of, of who we are, and we have been wounded. Um, you know, I don't like people who say, oh, I've never been wounded. Well, if you're a descendant of Adam, there's wounded you. 
And, and, and then being able to look at that and then being able to say, okay, what is the root of that? Uh, who am I? Uh, and then what has God put into me to, to share to the world? And, right. you know, an illustration of this, uh, you know, we may find a guy and, and man, that guy's got an anger issue. He's, he's angry and we need to help him count to 10. Well, okay, he's got an anger issue, but there's something below that. Sure. You know, there, there, there's, there's something below that. And if you're always trying to attack this, you're never going to get to this, the thing below it. And the issue is always going to be there. So, um, so I wholeheartedly endorse Mark Rick Christ. I'm actually in February. I'm going to go to the Philippines uh, with them. Um, MarkMinForChrist.org on the, on the website. I've actually written a couple of blog posts for them before. Um, and, I, and I do mention the, the, the ministry two or three times in the book, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, a, uh, there's a film that I watched uh, just last night that I'm quite sure every, every man, every man on the planet needs to watch. And, um, okay. Uh, and that my, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a connoisseur. I mean, I love, I love films. Um, this film is called light of my life with Casey Affleck. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I've seen it. Light of my life with Casey Affleck. There is a scene in this, there's a scene in this movie to where it's a post, post apocalyptic world type of situation that they're right, living. Right. Um, they're hiding. It's him and his daughter. He's trying to hide her because there's guys looking for women. They're all trying to find women. You know, all this is going on. And finally they get pinned down in a house. Three intruders come through and they're trying to find his daughter. And, and he has got to fight them off. And it is one of the most brutal it's one of the most brutal just hand-to-hand combat fighting scenes i've ever seen in Mm. film like legit in i mean just uh, emblazoned i mean with with just desperation and fear and you can sense it when you watch it and it was so it like and here's what's here's what's going to sound strange when i say this i don't i don't watch violent films and think oh that's so moving i think oh oh that's rough oh that's oh that's brutal you know, this moved me because I understood the heart of what he was doing, trying to protect this, this little girl in his life and, yeah. and what he was doing when he fought these people. It's such a powerful, powerful scene. You made me think of that earlier when you said there is good violence. There's good violence that we yes. need. Um, this next season of the homeless podcast, I'm launching into, as we talked about before, launching into um, a masculinity season to where I've got, uh, it's funny you say Navy SEALs. I've got multiple Navy SEALs that, <laughs> that just keep showing up for me to talk Tell them to. Tell them to call me. I'm telling you what, man, they are just in, they're incredible. I mean, just great stories. Um, and I, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about what preachers I think need to hear uh, when it comes to masculinity. Because I think sometimes preachers get in a place to where they want to be like we're we'll settle in to be the spirit the specialist on spiritual matters, but when it comes to other platforms, we can grow really lazy, sedentary, reactive, and mm-hmm. kind of lose all assertiveness in our life. And I think I think the church is I think the church needs to kind of ready itself for a group of men who are coming in to say, look, I want to buy into your Jesus thing. Um, 
but I need to see, I need to see something else. Like it's like what you've got going on is not enough. Like I need mm-hmm. to see you as a leader on another level, you know. And I'm not saying every pastor needs to be able to bench 350. I'm not saying every pastor needs to needs to carry a needs to carry a nine millimeter everywhere he goes. I, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying, yeah, it seems like there's got to be some push, some internal fight within us that's visible to other people. How do you respond to that? Uh. You know, it takes me back again to Genesis that that Adam was created with a task Mm. even before sin. And the task was you govern creation. You name the animals and govern it. And and, and you you hit it on it. You know, yeah, it doesn't mean we've got to bench press whatever. Um, Again, there's this kind of schizophrenia, uh, you know, the, the word toxic masculinity and can men be jerks? Yes. Uh, what what you're getting at, I hear you're getting at, and what I'm getting at is, is not that we want to be John Wayne and Chuck Norris and um, Sylvester Stallone, uh, although sometimes we are, because a, a man can be very, very creative, and uh, theoretically a, a man can even dance ballet, I don't know, right. because the real masculinity doesn't come from from the hands, it comes from the heart, um, right. and, and 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 being able to to say this is right, this is wrong, uh, and, and where do we get it? Maybe Jared, an assurance, an assurance of who I am in Christ, um, it, regardless of what the world thinks of me, um, and not trying to, you know, uh, John Eldridge, Wild at Heart uses the term poser. You know, not trying to pose to be something I'm not, but knowing who I am and living that out and living out for others. And and, and maybe that's the connection there with the violence. Bad masculinity is when I'm violent for me, you know, violent to get something I want. The good violence is someone is being hurt. And I'm going to step in so they're not hurt any longer. Um, you know, it, 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 one, we've got beautiful illustrations throughout Scripture. We've got uh, beautiful illustrations in history and really beautiful illustrations around us today that the media just won't won't show. Yeah. Uh, there are men out there. Um, and, and I think the goal is pursuing who Jesus made me to be. Yeah, that's so good. Steve Hinton with the book, Confessions, Finding Hope Through One Pastor's Doubt. Steve, thank you so much for joining me on this. This is an excellent conversation. I hope we can do this again. Jared, again, thank you so much. I love what you're doing, and I'm really looking forward to talking sometime uh, about everything else. Perfect, perfect. Well, I will get a hold of you soon. We'll set some stuff up. Thanks, sir. Hey, thank you for your time. I'll get with you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Homeless Podcast. This was a uh, this was a final episode for the season, and so as 2020 is launching, we are celebrating our first anniversary. We've been doing this a year, and so uh, coming up on it. So, in uh, in lieu of the new year, we've got some incredible conversations that are unfolding. We're going to even change directions just a little bit. We're going to start talking a little bit about masculinity. And so what we've been talking about is the idea of preaching and 
uh, the creativity that goes into it, the process uh, of writing, even delivery. What I want to do for this next season is to offer us something different. I'm going to reach into uh, some of the specialists in the world in some, in some certain categories and I'm going to let them kind of speak into our lives and push us, not only as preachers, but as individuals on all kinds of topics. So I hope you uh, hope you got a seatbelt in 2020. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. Thanks for listening. Until next time.